0: how many of you remember, um, you know, if you're not a teen anymore, uh, what it was like, especially when you were a teen, trying to fit in? Uh, anybody relate with me? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, and, and maybe you're a teen now, maybe you're in middle school, you're in high school, maybe you're in college, and it's still kind of the same thing. I mean, you know, wanting to fit in, uh, and I don't really think it changes maybe even as we get a little bit older. I mean, we're always wanting to fit in, whether it be at a new workplace or in your neighborhood or maybe the club that you work at uh, or something like that. I mean, we're always wanting to fit in. When I was growing up, I always, I, I just kind of remember that tension of wanting to fit in. And I remember when I was in high school, how important that was to, to uh, want others to like me. Cause some people are born cool, right? I mean, it just kind of like comes automatically. Didn't happen for me. Like it's something I have to work at every day and always fall falling short uh, in that cool category, but some people just have it. And so I remember trying to fit in when I was a kid. And when I was in high school, uh, I spent a lot of time with our church youth group and my peers from that youth group. And I remember we went off on this retreat and uh, we went away for the weekend together. And this was probably late 80s, right around 1990, I would guess. And I had at the time, and you probably remember if you lived in those days, but I had a bright white. Okay, Michael Jordan sweatshirt. And and it was bright white. It said Air Jordan across the front, the Michael Jordan silhouette there. Um, And and I really liked this sweatshirt. And I had it on. and, and, And so if you can imagine me in this bright white sweatshirt, away at this retreat, this conference center for the weekend, and I had a wicked sinus infection. And if you, you know, I still have those. If you have those, you know what I'm talking about. But the kind where when you go to blow your nose, it just doesn't stop. Like it just keeps coming and coming and coming. And you blow and you blow and you blow. And so I, I remember I was in the bathroom and I'm in high school, and I'm blowing my nose like crazy, and then I leave to go out and eat a meal with the rest of my peers. And I remember going out and sitting down at the table with all of these other high school students, and all of a sudden, this girl sitting across from me looks at me right in the face and says, "Oh, gross." That is so disgusting. Now, at first, I was a little alarmed that maybe she was talking about my face, but she wasn't. What she was talking about instead, though, was this snotty, somewhat crusty. And keep in mind that it was winter and it was dry and so even bloody snotty booger that was right there on my white sweatshirt for everyone to see. And I was absolutely humiliated, devastated in that moment. If you've had a moment like that before and you wish you could just kind of take it back, if I had just looked in the mirror for just a little while longer and an event like that, we'll just call it the incident of 1990 that has forever, you know, kind of stained my life has always stuck with me. I mean, even today, if I know that I'm going to be out in public and I'm blowing my nose, I'm double checking and triple checking to make sure that I never have to go through anything like that ever again. Cause I don't want anyone to see me like that. And, and you can relate too, right? You know, I mean, even when we come to a place like this, I mean, you want people to see you in your best, I mean, you know, we, we don't want people to see us at our very worst. And, and when you think about coming to a place like church, I mean, think about all of the different emotions that maybe you kind of encounter with that. You know, a place where you're already concerned that people are looking at you. You know, am I wearing the right clothes? Am I doing all of the right things? I mean, we don't we don't want people to see our mistakes. You know, we don't want people to see our imperfections. And, and, and so sometimes we'll just get into this mode where we don't come at all. You know, because we don't, we don't want to have to deal with something like that. And if there's something going on in our lives, whether we're caught up in, into a mess in our present, or maybe it's some things that have followed us around, that follow us around from the past, you know, we'll stay away. We'll stay away from a church or a place like this altogether because we don't want people to see our stains. And we don't want them to see our scars. But but here's the truth. And I want to just let you in on a little secret today. Um, Because if you're new to all of this, or maybe you don't come to a place like Genesis uh, regularly, I want to tell you and just kind of let you in on the secret. But we all have stains. Um, Every single one of us here today. I mean, we've all got some scars. We've got some stains in our past, some things, some, some snotty boogers, if you would, uh, that we're not proud of that kind of follow us around. And we'll do our best to cover them up. And, and we'll even go through these motions where we'll try and justify them or we'll compare our stains with others to maybe help us feel a little bit better about who we are. We've all got these stains and the Bible even says that. Uh, in fact, if you go to Romans chapter three, verse 23, uh, it says it this way. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us, we've we've all sinned. We've all got these stains and scars and we fall short of God's standard on our own. We fall short of the glory of God. Well, today we're finishing up a series here at Genesis that we've been in over the last few weeks, a series called The Gift. And in this series, we've been talking about the greatest gift the world has ever been given. And that's the gift of Jesus Christ. And the birth of Jesus means so many incredible things. But one of the greatest gifts or benefits of his birth Uh, is a gift so great and so incredible that it really could only come from God himself. And it's the gift of forgiveness. And and I think this is an especially important message today because if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to see the power and the difference that, that a reality like this could make for your life and what the gift of forgiveness could mean for you. But even if you do have a relationship with Jesus, I think it's so important to come back to a truth like this that maybe we're so quick to overlook at times of even what the gift of forgiveness means forever and for always for those of you that have a relationship with Jesus. And, and so in this series, we've already talked about what it means to forgive someone. We've talked about what it means to seek out forgiveness when that's necessary. But today I want to talk with you about an aspect of forgiveness that I think for some is the most difficult of all. And uh, it doesn't matter if you call yourself a Christian or a church-going person or not. It's the challenge of receiving forgiveness in your own life and how difficult that can really be. I, uh, I, I remember hearing the story about one boy who sent a Christmas letter to Santa Claus. If, if you're a kid, maybe you did that or maybe you remember doing that as a kid. You've got kids that are doing that. But uh, a Christmas letter sent from a young boy to Santa Claus, and it, it went like this. A little boy wrote, Dear Santa... In our home, we have three boys. Jeffrey is two, David is five, Norman is seven. He writes, Jeffrey is good some of the time, David is good some of the time, but Norman is good all of the time. And then he wrote, I am Norman. Uh, you know, sometimes we like to think of ourselves that way. You know, we, we compare ourselves to other people and it, we'll, we'll feel pretty good about who we are. But the truth is that none of us are like Norman. I mean, we all have our stains and we've all got our sin. We all have a past. And for some of you, you've got no problem admitting this. I mean, you've got some real humility in your life or you know, you've got a past, you've been through some of this and so you know those stains. I mean, you see them every day, every day when you look in the mirror and, and you know that you've got sin in your past and maybe even sin in your life right now. And more than anything, you would love to know or find a way out of the mess or out of the shame. I mean, you'd love a shot at forgiveness. But the challenge is that forgiveness, like so many gifts, can be one of the most difficult gifts to receive. I mean, unexpected gifts are like that. I mean, look at it like this. Suppose that you get one of those unexpected gifts. I think everybody kind of gets an unexpected gift every year at Christmas time. When I say unexpected gift, it's like one of those gifts that you get from someone and you're like, oh, I, I didn't know we were exchanging gifts this year. You know, I mean, or, you know, I, I didn't expect this from you. Or maybe you did. And so you've got a gift in mind for a coworker or a neighbor or something. And I, I know this is a little extreme, but it's kind of like your neighbor will come over and they'll give you a gift and it's like an iPad or something. I mean, I, that's extravagant. I, I mean, I know I'm, I'm extremely, but I mean, you're looking, you're like, I got you a pecan log. I mean, you're giving me an iPad and I've got a pecan log for you. Or I mean, how do you, how do you exchange a gift like that? I mean, it's difficult to receive a gift like that. I, I, for me, I, I'm not great at giving gifts and I'm not great at receiving gifts either. And I I don't know what it is. Sometimes it's just really challenging for me to receive a gift because I don't, I don't feel worthy of a gift. And that's just part of the problem that if we can't receive or if we won't receive forgiveness, then where do we turn? I mean, where can you go to deal with some of those things in your past? I mean, in our lives, there is so much guilt. There is so much shame that we feel. And it's rooted in the fact that we've messed up or we've made personal choices in our past. And and many of us are terrified that people around us, if they knew what we really thought or if they really knew what we've done, they really wouldn't like us. And And so I think one thing we could all agree that we share in common is just this longing for finding a way out of it all. And I think Job kind of felt like this. You know, Job from the Bible, he endured a lot of pain and a lot of frustration and shame in his life. Job was an Old Testament guy. Uh, He lived anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 years, if not longer, before the birth of Jesus. And he wasn't perfect. Uh, He needed an answer uh, to some of the problems of sin and pain and shame in his life. And in Job chapter 9... Uh, verses 32 to 34 with some of his closest friends. Here's what he says. He says, you know what? God is not human like me, so I cannot answer him. We cannot meet each other in court. I wish there were someone to make peace between us, someone to decide our case. Maybe he could remove God's punishment so his terror would no longer frighten me. The truth is that Job had stains. And as you read this, you can kind of see that longing. You can kind of see that desire in Him, that desperation for an answer. I mean, have you ever felt like that? I mean, have you ever wondered these sort of thoughts about God? I mean, or or even something like this, you know, that if there is a God out there, I wonder what He thinks of me. Or if God is real, what would He say about the mess that I've made of my life? Or will He... Or could he ever forgive me for what I've done? I mean, we've all got stains. I mean, like Job, we've all got sin in our life. In fact, much of the Old Testament is written in such a way that we would understand our need. It's to help us understand the stains so that we could recognize the need for a Savior. I mean, when you read through the Bible, I mean, especially in the Old Testament, if you read through things like the Ten Commandments and all of the laws, they're not there to help you feel good about yourself. I mean you 're not going to take that away from all of it, but but God knew here, here 's what god 's up to. God knew that you and I that we could never that I could never live up to the standards of the law, He gave us the law not to perfect us but to prepare us for a savior. I mean the law is there to show us how desperately we need god 's grace and how we need His forgiveness for our lives. Romans chapter three verse twenty, and the Phillips version says it like this. It's the straight edge of the law that shows us just how crooked we are. I mean, it's the law that exposes the stain. It shows us how great our sin is and why we need the gift of forgiveness. And some of you are here today, and I don't even need to remind you of all this because, I mean, when you think about your life and where you are and what you're dealing with right now and maybe what some of the people are saying about you, I mean, you know how great your sin is. I mean, you're, you're kind of living in that shame or, you know, this season or even this year has been a really challenging one for you. Because maybe as you look back over the past year, you remember the conversation you had with your kids a year ago about saying, hey, for mom or for dad, this year's going to be different. I'm not going to work nearly as much as I did last year so that we could spend more time together. But you didn't. I mean, you weren't able to live up to that. Or, or maybe you told your spouse that you weren't going to take another drink or that you weren't going to have another smoke this year. Or maybe you made some promise with God. You made some kind of contract with God, and you know that you failed on your end. You couldn't live up to your bargain, and so it's left a stain. Maybe you're a student, and whether that be in high school or college or something like that, I mean, you've been working through your school, but you know that you're cheating your way through right now. Uh, Maybe maybe you're already thinking about how you're going to make some creative adjustments uh, on your taxes, you know, in this next year so that you come out ahead. I mean, maybe you cheated on your spouse. And more than anything, you're hoping that she never finds out. And so, again, those actions, they just kind of add to the stain. We've all got these stains. And because we have them, because you have them, some people live in constant fear and constant agony that if you get found out, I mean, maybe it's why you intentionally stay away from a place like this. I mean, you've run from God because you feel like you've got a pretty good idea of how he feels about you. You know, I think a lot of us grew up thinking of God a lot like Santa Claus you know, that that he's like Santa Claus, that Santa Claus and God both have, you know, those who have been good lists and those who have been naughty lists and and that God, he knows when you're sleeping and and he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. And, and and so we do this. And, And really, when you think about it, it's true. I mean, the Bible says that God knows everything. He knows every thought. He knows every deed. Nothing is hidden from him. And it's actually true that God has a list of people. And on this list, he records the name of every person who will spend eternity with him in heaven. And sometimes the Bible calls it the Lamb's Book of Life. But here's what's really hard for us to understand about a list like this. Getting on God's list has nothing to do with being naughty or nice. It doesn't matter how good you are. You can't earn your way onto God's list or earn your way off of God's list. And God won't keep you from coming on it. And so how do you get a name like yours onto a list like God's on the Lamb's Book of Life? Well, just as Romans chapter 3 says that all of us have sinned, it goes on to say a few chapters later in Romans chapter chapter 6 that the wages of sin is death. What I deserve for my stain and what I deserve for my sin is death. And we've all got this sin. But then it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The gift that God has offered to every single one of us is forgiveness. And that only comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And you don't earn a gift like that. And I don't deserve a gift like that but it's a gift, and it's freely given. And you just have to take something like that and embrace it for your own life. Uh, There was a story uh, that came out this past week. It might have been late last week. I don't know if you heard it or not, but it was a story of a police officer in Texas uh, who wants to remain anonymous, so they don't have his name, but a police officer who handed over a, a citation to someone that he had pulled over along with a brand new crisp $100 bill. And the story goes, this guy's name that was pulled over was a guy by the name of Hayden Carlo in Plano, Texas. And he was pulled over because his driver's license uh, or his plate had expired. The registration had expired. And as the police officer was discussing with him, this man was sort of pleading his case and just said, hey, here's what it came down to. I had enough money to pay for my registration or enough money to feed my kids. And... I had to choose to feed my kids. And so the officer continued on with his work, wrote the citation, handed it over to him, pulled away, and this guy later told the press that it wasn't until a few minutes later that he opened up the ticket, which had been folded, to find a brand new $100 bill on the inside, and he just said, you know, I I broke down in that moment. I didn't feel like I deserved a gift like this, and he said, I... I registered my vehicle. I registered my wife's vehicle. I think just what the gift was intended to do. And I want to just add there, for any of you that make a habit of getting pulled over like weekly, you know, don't bank on something like this happening for you just because I've shared it. But when it comes to a gift like forgiveness, you can't earn a gift like that. And honestly, we don't deserve it. And that's why it's a gift. You choose to receive it. And you can try all you want in this world to take away the stain of your life on your own, but no matter what you do, it will never go away. But God's gift to us is Jesus and His gift to us is forgiveness and you just have to receive a gift like that. But why is it so hard? I mean, even as Christians, why do we have a hard time receiving a gift like this? Receiving the gift of forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. You know, I I think it's, it's one thing to forgive someone You know, it's another thing to go and to seek out forgiveness. We all know the challenges of something like that. But how do you receive God's gift of forgiveness and in such a way that you can embrace that confidence for your life, that forgiveness once and for all? Well, if you're struggling with that shame and regret, even in your own life right now, I want to remind you that, and I think this is so important, um, don't dwell on what you can't change. And I'd spend some time thinking through that. I mean, because we've all messed up. We, we all have these stains. And if you're here today and you know that you're here as an imperfect person, again, I want to welcome you to the church of imperfect people. All right? I mean, we all have this in common. But what more than anything gets in the way of receiving forgiveness over and over again? It's the past. I mean, it's my past. It's your past. I mean, we can't get past the past. And like it or not, you can't go back and change what's already been done in your life. I mean, can you apologize? Yes. Can you try and make amends with someone? Sure, maybe. But can you change the fact that it happened? No, you can't. The Bible has a great story, a great example of this, uh, in a guy by the name of David. Now, David killed Goliath. You know that story. Well, he grew up and went on uh, to, to be the king and to reign as the king of Israel, one of the greatest kings that lived. And the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Now, that's a compliment. And it's a really high compliment. But do you know what? David had stains. I mean, he had sin in his life. And on one occasion, David had an affair with a wife of an army officer. And then to top it off, if that wasn't bad enough, he had her husband killed in battle. Well, that affair produced a pregnancy. And that pregnancy produced a son. And the Bible tells us that not long after the birth of the son, David's son became very sick. And David pleaded. He wept and he agonized for God to spare the child's life. But the child died. And when David finally got the news that his son had died, it says in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20, that David got up from the ground. He's a mess. After he had washed, he put on lotions, he changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and he worshipped. And then it says then he went to his own house... And at his request, they served him food and he ate. Now, here's kind of the backstory: some other things that were going on at this very same time. There were some close attendants to David who were very upset by his actions. I mean, why isn't David grieving anymore? I mean, how can he just go on? Well, was David insensitive? No, I, I don't think that at all. I mean, even though for David, even though the pain was real, David understood and accepted the fact that there was nothing he could go back and do to change his past. I mean, he couldn't rewrite the story. He couldn't avoid the affair. He couldn't bring the former husband back to life. He couldn't bring his son back to life. I mean, David was sorry. He regretted his actions, but he knew there was nothing that he could do to go back and change what he had already done. And so he is starting the process of moving on. And you know what? Sometimes we have to do that too. We've got to begin the process of moving on because maybe there's something you've done you hurt someone or somebody you betrayed someone i mean maybe you cheated and you're carrying the burden of that offense that stain in your life and you need to know and be reminded that there is nothing that you can do to go back and change what's already been done now will you have to live with the consequences of your decision possibly we all have to live with the consequences of decisions, and sometimes those last for the rest of our lives. But if you're still living with guilt over it, shame over it, you can move on. You can't change the past. But I can promise you, through the strength and the power of God, you can move on. And some of the most crippling emotions that we ever experience in our lives come from trying to, to fix things outside of the present. And a few, weeks back we talked, a few weeks back, we talked about worry and how worry is really pointless when you think about it. I mean, do you realize that? Worry accomplishes nothing for us, all right? And, and in the same way, it's useless to dwell on the past because you don't live there anymore, all right? You can't go back there. I mean, the only time that you can live in is right now. And maybe today, that's why it's called the present because right now, maybe even today in some of these things that I'm sharing with you, could be seen as a gift because if you're still living in the past you need to stop right now and come into the present once and for all don't spend the rest of your life regretting what you can't change but instead realize what you can change and and receive the gift of god and receiving that gift begins when you and i when we understand that more than anything we need a savior that's what we need for our lives We need a Savior. I mean, this is the most important step. I mean, you can't change the past, but our God can. He can take care of it. And you can't remove the stains of your life, but God can do that. And what we need is his forgiveness. In uh, Luke chapter 2, and Luke 2 is probably one of the more famous accounts of the birth of Christ. And if you watched Charlie Brown Christmas this year, you had a chance to hear it once again. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, the angels proclaim this Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, he is the Messiah, the Lord. You know, We're reminded that forgiveness is not something that you can do for yourself. What we really need is help. And God sent a Savior in Jesus as our help. And and I just think it's really fascinating that of all of the titles that could have been assigned to the baby, I mean, the angels could have called him a king and they would have been right. I mean, they could have called him the healer and that would have been correct. They could have called him the miracle worker and that would have been true. But instead, when they announced his birthday, you notice that they announced him as the Savior the Savior, has come. He is what you and I, He is everything that this world needs. Uh, a guy by the name of Roy Lesson wrote a poem about this particular verse. And here's what he said. You know, he said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. But we forget that that's what we really need. And think about how many times that even if we say we need God, we really go looking for God to play more of that role of matchmaker for us. Or we look for God to play that role of financial advisor or job creator or crisis repairer And, I, 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 hey, God can take care of him. He works in all of these situations. And all year long here at Genesis Church, we talk about each and every one of those types of situations and circumstances and how our God is faithful. But what we're quick to forget is that more than anything, we need a Savior. And even David had difficulty with this. I mean, this powerful man, David, who had everything, who was used to getting his own way. I mean, it took a godly man and Nathan to finally break through to help David see his wrongs and to see his sin. And it was only after Nathan's confrontation with David that David was able to confess and say in Second Samuel 12, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. Now, that's my stain." You know, we all need a Nathan in our lives. We need people like that that will point us in the right direction, will point us to the truth. You know, someone who is willing to help us see when we're getting off course and and at the same time we need to listen and accept the reality that we can't fix ourselves. And, And one of the excuses that I hear from people over and over again, especially people that are caught up in shame and guilt, is one like this, you know, well, I just haven't forgiven myself yet. Like if I could forgive myself, then I think I could finally put the past behind me and I could get on with my life. Can I be your Nathan for just a second? And not because I don't have stains, not because I you know, don't understand the reality of sin even in my own life because I do. But we all have stains. We all have sin. We all have these things that we're not proud of. And you can't forgive your own sin. And you don't have the power to forgive yourself because you haven't sinned against you. We sin against God. And only God can forgive sin. And He is the only one who can. And no matter how hard you try, there is nothing you can do to make yourself right before Him. I've been messing around with the guitar. I need a hobby. I need to learn how to play an instrument. And growing up, I played the clarinet. I don't know why. No, just no offense to anybody that playing the, the clarinet, but that was the instrument my mom had me play. And so I'm messing around with the guitar, and I'm learning some chords. And Cameron, our our, our worship director, has been helping me, and I'm loving it. And you know, I again, I know like four or five chords, and so there are some songs that I can play, some songs that we sing here at Genesis. And when it's just me. And when it's just God, like, I, it's incredible. Like, I, I mean, every song is a masterpiece, you know, that, I, that I'm playing. Now, my family doesn't see it that way. In fact, like, if I'm practicing in the living room, I mean, I, I just think of the number of times that one of my kids will come walking in, and they just kind of turn and walk right out. It's like, well, Dad's at it again playing the guitar. And so I've been messing around with the guitar, and my little girl, my four-year-old girl, Kate, is fascinated by it. All right. And so she'll come in and she'll stand by me and she'll hum and she'll sing a little bit. And she loves to sing. And one of her favorite songs is the song called Stronger. And we sing that song here at Genesis. And so the other night I'm like, hey, Kate, um, how about daddy plays stronger for you? And so I get stronger out and I lay it out in front of me and she's standing there and And I get ready and I've got my, I I, I can do the G really well, but like to make the switch to the C is a tough transition for me. And so it takes a little bit. And so I hadn't played stronger yet. I mean, I'm showing some progress with Jesus paid it all, but stronger, you know, is still kind of coming along a little bit. And so I, I get a couple of chords into it. And my little four year old girl, I'm not kidding with this innocent face looks right at me and just says, daddy, why don't you keep practicing and I'll come back in a little bit. And, and she turned and walked right out of the living room, no kidding. I just started laughing in that moment. I will tell you that I am bound and determined that I'm going to learn how to play stronger and I'm going to learn how to play it for my little girl so that she stays in the room there with me. And, uh, but the fact is this one. you know We try and we try and we try and we can practice and we can practice and we practice. You can't fix yourself. You can't do it. You can't escape your past on your own and by yourself. I mean, it, it, it takes God. I mean, there. thankfully, there is a way to forgiveness. And what is that way? His name is Jesus Christ. He is our gift and He's our Savior. And as Romans says, and we looked at this verse just a moment ago, as Romans says, the wages of sin is death. You could write that. The wage, the reward for trying to fix yourself is failure and death over and over again. But the gift of God and it's free the gift to us is eternal life forgiveness and that only comes through a baby through a savior and Jesus Christ our Lord and how do you get a hold of a gift like that how do you receive forgiveness in your life once and for all it's available and it's available to you today but you need to accept that God loves you and that he forgives you and he's the only one that can do that I mean it's that simple and that's the key to the whole Christmas story And so many times when we think about the Christmas story, and rightly so, I mean, we think about Jesus and the manger, and that's an important part of the story, especially at Christmas. And the story, when you think about it, the story of Jesus in the manger, I mean, it really reveals a lot about who our God is, because, you know, He wasn't born in a palace, but He was born in a manger. He was born in a barn. You know, that He wasn't born like any other king. He wasn't born into royalty. He was born to a teen and this is a big deal because over and over again in the Bible, if you look about how God, at how God appeared to others, it was always in a frightening presence. It was always through fire or an earthquake or, or some crushing wind or something. But this time he comes as a baby. He came as a baby boy and he came in a form that our world could accept without fear. And maybe that would help for you today because you know that anytime you ever think about God, all you can think of is an angry, disappointed God. And the thought of God is this overwhelming presence. is just too much to bear. But what would happen in your life today if even in a few moments when you walk out of this door, you were able to see him as the gift, the son of God, God's gift to us, not only to the world, but his gift for you. John 3.16 says it like this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And for that to happen, Jesus had to leave a perfect heaven, a place of peace, and come to this earth. And what a dark and hopeless place. This earth can sure appear to be at times. Am I right? I mean, especially when you think about some of the circumstances of your life. When you think about what happened in Newtown, Connecticut, a little over a week ago. When you think about the financial crisis before us right now in our country and even the world, the instability in the world right now, I mean, just a lot of hopelessness. But it doesn't have to be that way. Because God loved you and me so much that the thought of spending eternity without you was too much to bear. And so He sent a Savior in Jesus Christ. And when He sent His Son to this earth, He sent Him with a full knowledge that He would be rejected, betrayed, arrested, and killed. But that was God's plan. His gift to the world, His gift to you and me in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says it like this, that God made Him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, Jesus took on our stains. He took on my stains and your stains so that we could be forgiven. And one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible comes right out of Isaiah chapter 1, and it describes this gift and the gift that we've been given in Jesus this way. It says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And there's no greater gift than a gift like that. To know that God has forgiven, or at least provided forgiveness, a way out from our sins that Jesus became sin for us so that our sins, the stains of our life, could be washed as white as snow. But the truth of a gift like that, you have to receive it. You have to take it and run with it every day for the rest of your life knowing that you've been forgiven by Him. Last thing, um, when I was in college, I had the privilege of hearing a guy by the name of Brennan Manning speak and have since read a few of his books. And, and Brenning, Brennan Manning has an amazing story about how he got the name Brennan. And in this particular book, while growing up, he talks about a friend, his best friend, a guy by the name of Ray. Ray. And Ray and Brennan did everything together. I mean, they bought a car together as teens. They double dated together. They did every year of school together. They joined the army together. They went to boot camp together. And they ended up on the front lines of war together. And he tells a story about how one night they were sitting in a foxhole together and all of a sudden a live grenade came flying out of nowhere and landed between the two of them. And Ray looked at Brennan, smiled, dropped his candy bar and threw his body on top of this grenade and it exploded, killing Ray while Brennan's life was spared. When Brennan went on later to become a priest, he was instructed to take the name of a saint. And he thought of his friend, he thought of his old friend Ray, a guy by the name of Ray Brennan, Uh, It was then that he took the name Brennan uh, for the first time. And and years later, as he goes on to explain, a, a very struggling and depressed Brennan Manning went to visit Ray's mother in Brooklyn, New York, and they sat up late one night drinking tea and talking about their old friend, her son, this guy named Ray. And again, a struggling Brennan asked this question really sort of out of desperation. He just said, hey, do you think Ray loved me? Like, did he really love me? And Mrs. Brennan got up off of the couch and she shook her finger at him and she just said, what more could he have done to prove his love for you? And Brennan Manning goes on to explain, he later wrote that that in this moment he experienced such an epiphany and he imagined in that moment himself standing before the cross of Jesus Christ wondering, does God really love me? Does he really forgive me? And in that moment he imagined Jesus' mother Mary pointing to her son saying what more could he have done to prove that he loves you the birth of a savior the cross of Jesus Christ is God's way of doing all he could do for us Jesus is God's way of saying this is how much I love you this is the gift that I have for you the gift of forgiveness and eternal life My question for you this morning is, do you know a gift like that? Do you have a gift like that in your life? Let's pray. And and here's what I want to do. As we pray, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I I know that for some of you here today, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard a message like this. Maybe it's... uh, Maybe it's been a long time since you've heard or even considered a message like this, but you're here today and and you feel like something's happening in your life that God's revealed something to you today and you're desperate for a gift like this, a gift of Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to receive that gift in your life today. And I'll tell you, you know, before we pray, when I was 11 years old, I invited Jesus Christ. I prayed a prayer like this one. I'm going to pray in just a moment. I prayed a prayer and invited Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. And I know that I'm not perfect. I've messed up so many times since then, but I know that on that day, Jesus Christ forgave my sins once and for all and that I belong to Him. My eternity is in heaven. I'm, I'm confident, not because of what I've accomplished, but because of the gift of God that my name is included on the Lamb's Book of Life. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. If you've never invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, and taking that gift. we just pray this prayer with me? If you want to receive that gift today, just pray it where you are. You can pray it to yourself or you can pray it out loud if you'd like to. Just pray this, Lord Jesus, I need You. Thank You for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life to You. I trust You with my stains and receive You as my Savior today. Thank You for forgiving my sins and for the gift of eternal life. You get control of me today. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you for these prayers, for these surrenders, for these desperate cries here today of those that are laying it all out today that this could be true. God, would you reveal yourself in amazing and awesome ways to every person here today who's prayed a prayer like this. All weekend long at our Carmel campus today to know you as Savior and Lord, and to even give us a glimpse of the party that's going on in heaven for those who have come home and found and discovered forgiveness in their life the forgiveness that only comes through Jesus Christ. And as we continue praying, I want to take a moment and just speak to those of you that are maybe here and you know this story. And maybe even when you look back on your life, you could point to that moment when you trusted Jesus as Savior. But you're here today and you're a mess right now. Your life's a wreck. It seems like it's falling apart. You've been beaten up. I want you to see and be reminded of the gift of forgiveness. And as Isaiah says, though our sins were like scarlet, he washed them as white as snow. God loves you. He's already forgiven you. But maybe you need to take a moment and turn your heart back to him today. Just say, come Lord Jesus, just pray that prayer, come Lord Jesus, take over my life again today. And God, we thank you for the hope, the gift that we have in Jesus as a church and for this community and for this world. And I pray that as we walk out of these doors in a moment, as we go to live our lives, as your followers, as we're with family and friends over these next couple of days, may the light of Jesus Christ and our hope that we have in him, may it shine brightly for others to see.